It's time for the No Shot Clock Podcast. We're talking the biggest stories in Illinois high school basketball. Hey, now, here are your hosts, Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times and Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Boost Report. Welcome on in, everybody. It's, uh, wow, it was a week. I saw an awful lot of basketball, an awful lot of teams. I think I know a little bit more than I did a week ago, but a lot of the things I thought I knew changed, and it's just going to be an interesting season, I think, Joe, with these teams. They're trying to figure themselves out as much as we are at this point. Yeah, or, you know, we're fresh off that, uh, marathon at the Chicago League Classic. That does the, the weekend before the football marathon and the state finals for you prepare you for, for the Chicago League Classic marathon? No, not at all. Um, not even a little bit. Four football games is an awful lot, but I, I mean, I'm going to get into trouble. I was getting into trouble for this, but. That's like living hell for me. No one, I mean, has anybody ever watched four football games in a day that's like sane? I mean, that doesn't. Not, not four high school football games. No. no. I mean, that it, it's crazy. So yeah, that that's a little rough, but I was definitely not prepared for the Chicago League Classic. I, I think I tweeted out game five near the end of it there. I started to lag a little bit, but, but you know, we'll talk about the Team Rose Classic coming up. See, I don't lag as much during that. I get hungry and have other issues. But when I'm interested in both teams, it just helps. The problem with me, you know, I've complained about this for years, for a decade now, is just, I, only caring about one team just kind of soaks enjoyment of any game for me. And that kind of wears on you when it kind of goes all day. Well, and then the games weren't particularly great uh, is what took away from me. But anyway, um we are on to get back to a little bit of our regular routine in this podcast with well, our two takes and then going to wrap it up with a little bit of a look ahead to a busy week of some you know, pretty key important games. We're going to talk, we're each going to give about four games that we're, we have our eye on, um, you know, just what we think might be of interest of, to us and, and those individual games coming up. So we'll highlight and preview that, but we'll get to, uh, our two takes here, Mike. You want to get started with yours? Yeah, I will start it out. It's not going to be a shock to anybody, I guess. I got my first in-person look at Ty Rogers. And I think it's not even that it was my first in-person look at Ty Rogers. It was my first look overall at him in on, in a high school game. You know, I, I'd seen the two, the Peach Jam games. And that's much different, <laughs> obviously, than a high school game. To watch him as the kind of point-forward guy in complete control of that Thornton basketball team and the way everything fit around him even this early in the season when he's clearly getting used to everything it was eye-opening to me because a lot of teams as I already mentioned are still figuring things out and have issues and this and that and it, it already fits so well and he's such a dominant force with not even just the rebounding especially not with the rebounding and scoring with handling the ball and distributing the ball and just making everyone else around him just that one notch better. That good high school player is just up a notch. He's doing that for the whole team. And the way Ty Streets gets those Thornton program kids to play so well every year and so hard and fight, I'm going to make the bold declaration. My take is this. Thornton can 
totally win a state title this year. Whoa. That is a monster bold statement. I'm in. I'm all in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, I've, you know, I've talked about Ty Rogers a lot since he's moved and transferred here. And, you know, I, I called him a unique player, a different type of player. And he, and he is. I, you know, I don't think he's going to be the 28 point per game guy and, and he doesn't need to be to impact as I, I think I tweeted about this. I've written about it. He, he has a genuine impact on games without running plays for him. He, he has uh, this will to win. He's also more or less in each game he plays a man among boys with the physicality and this, this uh, explosiveness that he plays with that, you know, is high level. So I, I, as I preached before, I loved him when I watched him, uh, throughout the spring, throughout the summer, just as an outside observer of not even realizing he's going to come to our state and be able to enjoy him for these four months. And high school basketball fans, um, you know, get out and see him. College basketball fans, obviously, locally here, have an interest because he's going to the University of Illinois. And so, yeah, it was um, – he's he's just such a big, big addition – to the high school basketball for this one year in Illinois. Yeah, and I'm struggling. You know, I, th- I think I might have thrown out. I know I have with you talking, Joe, but I think I might have done the pop, like a Roger Powell Jr. comparison, and that's way off now. Um, he's not that. He's just way more on the ball, you know, and and d- he dictates so much of the offense. It, it, I, I'm. I think you didn't come up with like a direct comparison when I mentioned that. And now I can see why. Because I'm not really sure. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and, and, and again, yeah. that's why I call him unique. Yeah. Uh, he is a different type of player, uh, and, and a multi-dimensional player who can play multiple positions. And so, yeah, and, and at the high school level, boy, he yeah. can, he can really <laughs> dominate in, in that fashion with, without, you know, you get in the evaluation segment, he's going to be fine in college, but then you can start nitpicking, you know, he didn't showcase a big time, you know, jump shot or great range and a three-point shot, things like that. But that, that, that stuff was going to come. Uh, my first take is is on a team that I was anxious to see because of the loss of J.J. Taylor, and that's Kenwood. I mean, mind you, and, and, I, and I'm writing about it in the, in the Sun-Times in my column this week, but, I mean, J.J. Taylor <laughs> departing Kenwood – we're talking the highest ranked prospect the state has had since Julia Ogafor. So a top 10 national talent departs, uh, I don't know when he left. Was it September, October? I can't remember. November, uh, I think. Pretty, pretty November. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just amazing to look at that team on paper and see how much talent they have without having JJ Taylor. And they displayed that at Chicago League Classic in their game. Now I know the, the opponent they played was completely overmatched. I mean, it was a blowout from the get-go, but it was a, more about how they played in terms of moving the ball, uh, the energy, uh, their, their, their three-point shooting, and then their breakneck speed that they play with in transition that just devastated, uh, this opponent out of, out of Kentucky. Uh, you know, it, it and I write about this. I, I don't know if there's a team, Mike, with more individual talent on the roster. Does that mean they're going to win a four A state title? It does not mean that. I'd still think Glenbard West is the best basketball team right now. But watching, you know, Darren Ames and 
Davis Lowry in particular, those two juniors who are, you know, both top five prospects in the class, in that junior class with a boatload of college interests and offers already. But they're, they go deeper than that. You know, obviously Trey Pettigrew is, is a division one commit as a senior. You got Bryce Hurd, one of the best freshmen, uh, Darius, um, uh, Robinson is a newcomer that no one really, you know, didn't know how that he would fit in. And he's a weapon for them. I mean, he had, I think, double figures in the first half, uh, in that game. And they've got other pieces that are just, they are deep. They're talented. And as I think as they come together and continue to play together, uh, in the fashion that they played on Saturday, they're, they're going to be off. I mean, we knew they're going to be good. It was just there were question marks of how good they could be together with some of the youth they had, having not really played too much together. But boy, first first impression was really impressive. But and think about this one: Darius Robinson was on Thornton. Like I saw him lead Thornton in scoring at a game in Kankakee last year. <laughs> he, yeah, he could be on that Thornton team, which would be oh my goodness. Um, Quite a, that was an interesting move <laughs> for right. Darius Robinson, but, but yeah, I think the thing about the Kenwood performance, that, that was the best performance I've seen clearly so far this season. Um, you know, Glenbard West is still my number one team. Uh, I'll, I guess I'll talk a little bit about that game next, but, but Kenwood looked the best so far. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I mean, we knew they were going to be good, but as Joe said, it was it was a level up from that. It was a little Harlem Globetrotters, Washington Generals <laughs> feel sometimes in that game. Uh, and the, the two, you know, the juniors, um, Ames and Lowry, Lowry, Lurie, I think it's Lurie. Uh, I keep mispronouncing his name. The, I needed to see them do it. You know, I'd seen them against Clemente in like one other time, but I this was a totally <laughs> different ball game. Um, the shooting, you know, Ames hit all those shots. It was, yeah, Ken, uh, Kenwood out totally, I think, blew everyone's expectations out of the water except for maybe their own. You know, they were talking like this. Yeah, there's not going to be a short shortage of <laughs> bra- brashness from Kenwood uh, at all. I mean, well, the I, weaknesses, I, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it was really hard to find them. They, they got some guys who just want to do the rebounding. You know, the depth is that, like, like you said, Joe, is there. And boy, well, I just how they moved the two yes. things jumped out. How they moved the ball, uh, it, it wasn't stagnant. It didn't, there was, you know, I, I thought there might be some ball stoppers on that team. No, they were not selfish. Yeah. And, and then the other part is, you know, I know Morgan Park and Nick Irvin's teams one thing you could count on, they always played really, really hard. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mike Irvin obviously probably is instilling that same mantra and, 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 and the tenacity that they're going to play with. And they did that in that game. They came out with something to show and prove, uh, you know, on the first big stage of the year. Yeah. And you know, that, that's the secret sauce with the Irvins. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Everybody wants to get kids to play hard, and the Irvins know that maybe one of the best ways to get talented kids to play hard is to let them play how they want, you know, because that excites them. And it's not like you don't got to yell at them to play hard because they're doing what they love, you know, and they don't get bogged down with a lot of other stuff. And we saw that same – that's in a great point. We saw that same stuff we saw with the Morgan Park teams, with the Kenwood teams, and oh, boy, <laughs> here we go. Uh, that kind of comes into my second take. It's – uh kind of an overwhelming take on guards <laughs> as and point guards, especially 
as I watched, uh, had so much fun yesterday at the Glenbard West, Glenbrook South game. It was just a great crowd. It was a great atmosphere. Great to be back in a high school gym watching this. Would have been even better at one of those schools, but it was okay at the, uh, at the neutral venue. And it was really interesting to watch. You know, I talked a lot about Glenbard West's lack of a point guard and, and a lot of people disagree with me. And I was talking to Scott Burgess a little bit about it, but it showed completely in that game. I think they had 15, 16 turnovers. Now, a good handful of those were charges um, that had nothing to do with really not having a, a guard. But the flip side of that was Glenbrook South doesn't really have a point guard either. And that was a bit of an issue for them. They're trying to do the same thing without some of the qualities, you know, that Glenbard West has and deal with that Glenbard West defense with that. So, so they definitely had some issues with that, although they did turn the ball over less than the Hilltoppers. And then I started thinking back at the other teams I watched struggle this week. St. Ignatius. What's their issue right now? Guards. You know, they've got a lot of the big boys. AJ Red, though, has to do every on-the-ball thing for them. He's got to do it all, and that's a big problem. None of the other kids who were kind of name-checked in the preseason have stepped up into their roles yet. Now, it's early, but I think that's a a large reason for their struggles. Then Whitney Young, they had a disappointing loss to Gonzaga. Real issues at the guard spots for Whitney Young. You know, they've got, you know, Xavier Amos was awesome. AJ Casey, you know, struggled, but... You know, Dalen Davis, it just wasn't there. You know, Marcus Pegram w- was okay, but they just don't have the, the guard play right now. I mean, I can go on and on on this list of the teams that struggled, you know, from Fenwick to this and that. The lead guard, especially a point guard, brings them together is always so important in high school basketball. But this year, I think we've got a lot of teams up near the top or teams I had high expectations for that do have a big, big hole in that spot. And then you watched Simeon who maybe I discounted a little bit. Uh, the Rubin twins were way better than I thought, um, for sure. I just never seen them play like that. They were excellent. But the guards, you know, it, they've got three-point guards on that team, and, and that's just not to be discounted. We're just – everybody's in love now with big guys that are shooting and big guys that can do a lot of things. And, frankly, in high school basketball sometimes, that's a problem. <laughs> I mean, do you really want your six – eight guy out there taking a bunch of threes even if can hit some of them because he's not rebounding and that means you don't have a guard out there it's just i saw a lot of teams that seemed confused because of maybe where they think they're going to play in college or what they're going to do and this and that and we just don't have a point guard i didn't even see like any like gamer high school senior point guards you know what i mean and i expected that out of ignatius a little bit more maybe it's because we didn't have a season last year really or whatever i didn't see that guy that can kind of bring the team together just as a good high school player and i haven't seen many of them this year so that's something I'm going to be watching going forward and seeing if these big-time teams can develop that. Well, it's interesting the sport itself, the game, uh, has changed so much, and that includes the point guard position. If you look through from the NBA all the way down, while every coach will say they, they want that player, they've really gone away from that prototype floor general in a lot of instances. You know, yeah. So uh, not that that's – I don't think that's translated into high school. I just think you know your case, the case in point is that – they just don't have the, they don't have them. I mean, you know, Glenbard, Glenbard West. If you put a, I don't know, not that you can just make trades, but yeah. <laughs> if you if you put a, a a genuine, true distributing point guard on that team, they're 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 it's just over. lethal. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's over. You know, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that they they're, they're just fortunate that they've got players that are other positions that can actually handle some of the duty 
you know, is Braden Huff a true point guard? No, obviously not. <laughs> Cade Pierce is not your prototype point guard, but they are, are, are guys that fortunately for them, they're not just branded as, you know, the typical wing and four or five man and, you know, they, they can't all handle well. it. Yeah. So yeah, that helps. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just, I, I, I agree. I, I still, you know, you look at some great teams in the history of our state and it goes to what you're just saying, whether it be Derek Rose or Jalen Brunson or Tyler Eulis or, and then you can, and those are the big names. And then you go to some other great teams Cordell that Henry. Had, had, had point guards yeah. that were like, weren't yeah. even division one players. Yeah. Uh, that just were really, really good high school point guards. John Wallace, they, they, yeah. That was I mean, their that job. Kind of thing, yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, that's a good point and, and, uh, and something to keep an eye on over the course of, of this year as it, as it, uh, as we get through it. But my second point, my second take is, you know, an, an event like the Chicago Elite Classic will bring college coaches in. Uh, though many, you know, it's tricky for a lot of them. What am I about to talk about? I'm not trying to single out or leave out certain staffs because they're busy with their own games or on the road or, or, or you know, middle of their start of their season on a Saturday. But, you know, they just can't typically get there. But there are there was a strong contingent of, of coaches there this year. And, you know, I, I spent quite a bit of time catching up with various coaches and coaching staffs. Uh, while there on Saturday, some who have become, you know, acquaintances and friends or over the years and who I frequently talk to on the phone about basketball and players and prospects and get together with. But, you know, my take here is this, the, the, the locals, specifically in this, this case, Illinois, DePaul and Loyola, uh, they're at least showing to have a real presence again in a very good way. Uh, you know, obviously Illinois is obviously has had some success here under Brad Underwood the past couple of years, and and that's translated into landing two players who went up against one another at the Chicago League Classic and Ty Rogers at Thornton and Marez Johnson at, at St. Rita. You know, I spent a big big chunk of time talking with Brad, who, who was there with assistant Tim Anderson, and just about a wide range of things. But just having that presence at an event like that. Premier State's flagship Big Ten University. That's important. And I know Brad caught some flack early on for not being, and he, you know, early on in his tenure at Illinois for not being up here or that. And some of it was misguided and some of it got out of, you know, blown out of proportion a little bit. Um, but to their defense, they're what, and again, I make, gotta make relationships, but he really couldn't spend a ton of time up here. Uh, there just weren't that many high majors up here, and, and there hasn't been. Uh, you know, I move along the line. DePaul and Loyola, they play one another on Saturday afternoon, played against each other, and, and their entire coaching staffs, the entire staffs, uh, made it over to the Chicago League Classic. Again, it's about being seen, having a presence, but just talking with those staffs and seeing how they are going about it, you know. Uh, Tony Stubblefield in a rebuild year one at, at DePaul and Drew Valentine filling in the big shoes of Porter Mosier at Loyola with a loaded Loyola team. Uh, they've just been impressive in, in, in this first year. And after 25 years of doing this, Mike, of involved with recruiting and, and evaluations and scouting service and dealing with and getting to know college coaching staffs on a professional, personal level, you just naturally 
kind of get a certain vibe or a feeling for particular staffs or each staff you deal with. And it's just awfully important for these particular fan bases of these schools to know these are coaching staffs that seem to really get it in my eyes and my mind when I talk with them, when it comes to the approach of, of building and sustaining success as it comes to, as it relates to players and, and relationships in Chicago. Joe with an awful lot of praise for three coaching staffs who have combined for one NCAA tournament win. <laughs> yeah. So well, I mean, you're talking about, well, no, I mean, Liola, they're new. Liola, yeah. Liola's taken over. Yeah. I mean, Porter Mosier's. I'm, jo- I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, they haven't gotten to play. It's Stubblefield and Drew um, Valentine's first season. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And, but uh, it, it is about making an early impression and making a presence. And, and, you know, I, I, I don't want to criticize every past staff, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't never even saw DePaul. I didn't see them at events. Well, you know, I don't know if any, I don't think a lot of people don't even know that Dave Leto's son played at Whitney Young the last three years, four years. He's in the program, but he's on the varsity I, team. But I didn't see them glad handing and talking to people. No, I didn't see him at and, the games and he could have gone. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and yeah. making the rounds. And I mean, it was Stubblefield's up and around, moving, talking to different coaches. I had high school coaches say, Hey, that's my guy. That's my guy. I mean, yeah, I saw Stubblefield I, I, last year or like when he first got hired, I guess, where was that RB or yeah, I've already met Stubblefield like three or four times, um, in his short tenure, he's right. definitely been around. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I just think sure. that matters. I mean, that, that's the starting point. Those are the building blocks. And without that, I mean, you're, you're up against it from day one. Yeah. I mean, there, there's no doubt. I mean, and Drew Valentine obviously is well known by everybody around here. And, you know, I was the one who gave, you know, wrote the most criticism. People were saying it about Underwood not being up right. here. And, yep. and I still stand by that. There's plenty of guys he, he could have taken or could have wanted. And that was a rough start. And if you look at the team now, there really isn't any local identity. And I think no. that's an issue. I think everybody's kind of disconnected from Illinois right now. Ayo Dosumu is the guy everybody talks about still with Illinois, you know, and, and that's. Well, I went on a, on a radio show. I talked about that exact thing, uh, champagne radio show. And I, and I said, bottom line is Illinois fans want a winner. Yeah. And, and that's that's really all that matters. It's just kind of a icing on the cake or a, a, a bonus when you have some local flavor. And right now, there you know, Demonte Williams is the only well, the lead kid, but I, from Deerfield. But I, you know, Demonte is the only Illinois p- kid on the roster. Uh, that's unheard of in our in, in the history of Illinois basketball. And it's not like there's now. You got Ty Rogers, who I is a quasi, I guess we can call him an Illinois product. He'll feel like it after this year, <laughs> I think yeah. for sure. So yeah. and, and getting Marez Johnson committed, you know, I just I, I I've made the statement. I think Illinois, yeah, that's a whole another thing. So we'll we'll move on. But go ahead. Yeah. No, it was fun to. Uh, I mean, it's just nice when we got just having the recruit. There's more of an Illinois presence in high school basketball right now than there is like in college. You know, it's made, it makes a huge difference when you got commits like Morez Johnson and Ty Rogers on the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, that's great. All right. Let's see, uh, a little preview action of the team. Ro- I'm going to talk some team Rose classic games. Joe's got, it's a really good week. Got some yeah. other games. Um, so I'm just going to go out. through four. I'm going to go through four games, Mike. And then, uh, I- I've got four games that are outside of the team Rose classic this weekend. And then Mike will wrap it up with four games, uh, that he's going to discuss here. But my first one's, Coming up quick Wednesday night, 
Marian Catholic at Bolingbrook. I'm interested to see, but my, my reason why is after watching Thornton, I kind of want to see the team that beat Thornton. Uh, Bolingbrook beat Thornton, correct? In oh, indicator. Yeah. Yep. And title game. I, I, yeah, having seen Thornton and Ty Rogers and I, I'm interested to see, you know, this Bolingbrook team, um, you know, they've, they, they've got, uh, you know, Mackay Cooper is a, is a, is a legitimate guard in the backcourt and, um, Michael Ose Bansu is, is a man child around the basket, physical presence, six, four. I, I, I don't, I don't have a good grasp on how good both of these teams are, even though, you know, they should both be very good. They're both conference favorites in their respective conferences, Mary Catholic. Uh, they both kind of play with, you know, uh, uh, speed and athleticism out in the perimeter. So Wednesday night, that's a game I'm looking forward to. Um, staying on point with Thornton, they've got a big weekend. And that starts with, uh, you know, arguably maybe one of the top games, the entire South Suburbs, and that'll be Bloom at Thornton uh, on uh, Friday night. And again, Bloom, not, you know, we're used to that Bloom team with all the big names. They've got a whole mess of, of weapons. And they've got a, you know, a, a potential defensive difference maker and Mondrick Erkins inside, 6'8", big kid. And then they got Jordan Brown, Rashawn Harris. Um, I, I'm just interested in this one because it's your classic South. It's an old sick of East battle, you know, and, uh, uh, I'm, you and I are both on the Ty Rogers train and this is going to be a different type of animal. Uh, for, for Ty Rogers and Thornton. Uh, you know, anybody who's been to a South Suburban, one of those old rivalry games, it's different than playing Bolingbrook down in Decatur. It's different than playing, even though St. Rita's really good, playing in the big college arena. You know, Thornton will get them at home, uh, but that should be a fun one Friday night. Um, staying on Friday night, Glenbard West and Yorkville Christian. I'm not sure how close the game's going to be. Uh, you know, this is a 4A state championship caliber team against a class 1A state championship caliber team. You know, and Glenbard West has got a bunch of size. It's a mismatch for Yorkville Christian. The highlight, obviously, the interest I have is it's not very often you get, uh, to see, uh, Gonzaga recruit playing against a Duke recruit in the state of Illinois. And that should be fun. Pretty cool to see. We've had some great individual matchups over the years, you know, whether it be Jaleel against Cliff or Brunson versus Eulis or Maggetti versus Richardson or, and I go on and on, but you know, this one and this year, uh, John, Sh- I mean, um, I almost call him John Shire, Jaden shoot against, uh, Braden Huff should be a, a marquee matchup to see on Friday night. Where do I go Friday, Joe, to interrupt you? Which one do I pick? Well, you personally you can only be at one. <laughs> I say, I say, you go to one and I go to the other, yeah. uh, and then we could talk about it in next week's podcast. Uh-uh. But um, you could see Yorkville Christian Glenbar West both on Saturday. So yeah, I've, I haven't I, seen I, Bloom yet. I guess I'm going to see everybody this weekend. See, so yeah, I don't, I have no idea where I'm going. That's the one that I haven't picked. And then off the radar game I threw in here is, is a another shootout. I think it's at South Elgin. Uh, Rolling Meadows 
obviously with Camp Christie and a in a in a preseason ranked team and with which I think could be a really good team as as some of their younger guys mature and develop and you know this is still they've got some youth you know Orlando Thomas is a senior who's a big time weapon on the perimeter for coach Kevin Katovich but Rolling Meadows versus Burlington Central I get so I, I get so forgetful of what I've talked about in the podcast versus what I write in paper or online. And I know I've either written or talked heavily about Burlington Central uh, as just kind of being a sleeper. This is a a team with a whole bunch of experience. They're very physical. Now, they've been banged up and, and some illness, and they've missed some players in the early part of the season. And if you look at their schedule, it's not – super it's not real daunting of a of a slate this one is an opportunity for Burlington Central to to make some noise and and, and to kind of when people scroll through the scores from from the weekend and if Burlington Central people scroll through the scores oh hey wow they knocked off Camp Christie and Rolling Meadows it'd be a real feather in their cap and a big boon for them going forward uh as they you know kind of gain a little bit of notoriety meanwhile you know, it's it's one of the uh, a tough test for for Rolling Meadows. I was you know uh, talking with Kevin Katovich about it, and um, he was you know watching their film and say, "Holy cow, Joe, they're 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 a really good basketball team," and he's right. They are tough and solid, especially if they're full strength. Yeah, I've got Burlington Central questions. Um, I think we did talk about them. I know you did write about them as one of the teams, and we talked about them because they working on my you know, top 40 team radar as well. They're in my book here. I've got, unless I'm crazy and I didn't double check in my like log of their season, they lost to Dundee crown in overtime on November 27th by two. Mm-hmm. And then they just beat them by 20 on December 3rd. So were they missing some? I wonder if they're... they, 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 they've, they've got a key player. Um, not letting the name slips my mind out for, He's out and then for another two or three weeks, I believe. Why my mind is so just So he might have blank. just missed all, both those then. Um, probably. I believe so. Okay. And then they've had some illness with a couple of kids and missed some stuff. So I, 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 I can't piece together who was playing when and where. But I, I just know at full strength, Mike. They, they they've they just got so much. They, they got guys that's been three and four year varsity guys and uh, have played together and and they've. There's just a, there's so much experience, uh, and you know they they, they again I, I I'm not trying to criticize. I mean they they have not they don't play the schedule that that a lot of these teams that we talk about on a regular basis do play. But um, that, that's kind of why I kind of circled this game as an yeah. opportunity to kind of showcase. I'm not sure where they play at Christmas. Um, Probably are they at Jacobs or let me see. Um. Wait, yeah, when's I'm the last sure. time we, Burlington Central was like on the radar? Was it Cully Payne? It had to be, right? I mean, well, how about look at there? the Burlington Central Beecher game? Let's just throw that together. Okay, yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> oh, it says TBA tournament on their max prep. Where where is that at? Yeah, it's got, but it's the twenty seventh, twenty eighth, and that's so that wouldn't be um, Jacobs. It says wait to be announced. They don't have one. Seth? It, it they have the dates in, but they don't say where. Where else could they be? Maybe Plano. Well, that'd be a Yorkville Christian matchup, but um, yeah. Now I'm kind of uh, now I'm intrigued. 
Well, you can start your... Uh... Yep, I think it is Burlington Central. At, um... Plano? I think it might be... Uh... Well, they were in 2019, at least. Huh. So that would be fun. Burlington Central Yorkville yeah, Christian that'd final. Yeah, that would be a fun one. I like that. All right. Uh, well, we hope they're there. <laughs> I, um, somebody can let us know. Um, they, they, they at least were in 2019, so that's probably a pretty good sign. Um, I think I closed my thing here. Well, I, uh, I as I said, I'm going to hit all the uh, – before we get into my games, I, I – uh, Yeah, I just pulled up their schedule. Yeah. It says Plano. Nice. All right. Yeah. That's good. That's something to watch. Um, I, I just assumed Joe was going to pick the uh, Glenbrook South New Trier game. That's one of his, but I, I did not. But let's, we should mention that one for sure. That is, uh, wait, Thursday night, I believe? Yeah. I, it's at New Trier. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I was kind of going off the radar type. I wanted to get a little. No, no, it's fine. I just wanted to mention that that one yeah, is going to be that's, a monster that's game. A, yeah. You know, you, we both thought. Kenwood has, has been the most impressive. Now, I didn't go to Glenbard West, Glenbrook South. I'm going to see plenty of Glenbard West in the next week. Uh, but I would say the team that impressed me the most after Kenwood so far, just the one game, would, would be New Trier. Uh, their performance, now, you know, it's against an unranked Loyola team, but we all know Loyola is a, always tough, competitive, well-coached. And to see New Trier just completely, you know, dominate. So I... That new tree, Glenbrook South, I, I think, you know, those are legitimate top five teams, you know, and playing for something, uh, that's going to be interesting to see in that Central Suburban League South as it develops over the course of the year. And probably a sectional final, right? I mean, I would assume. Yeah. That. Yeah. Um, Saturday, 11 a.m. Mount Carmel. I'm picking the 11 a.m. one to start with because they're two teams I haven't seen yet. And that's always fun. Riverside Brookfield. Against Romeoville. RB is in the rankings already. They were my 26th team <laughs> heading in. Um, you know, Mike Reingruber was pretty high on this group. Uh, did a nice job in his preseason, uh, preview of just letting, kind of letting me know that he thought this group had a really good chance to do stuff. Um, and I, what really stands out, there's, there's they already have three kind of highlight games that stand out on, on their season. They beat Oak Park. By seven points. And Oak Park looked darn good. I mean, it was a bit sloppy and wild against Fenwick. But that's a really solid win against a team with two Division One guards. You know, already. They only lost to Curie by two points in their title game there. Which is as good as anybody's done against Curie this year. And then they took care of Lions. They took care of business. And this is big. Because RB, not to hammer my good Bulldog friends and the sixth man over at RB... They have trouble when I put them in the rankings, <laughs> historically. It's usually they get in there, and they're like, finally, O'Brien, it's about time, and then they immediately lose. <laughs> and, the O'Brien curse? Yeah, and it's like, oh, no, now i got to take them out, and then I kind of just stay away from them for a month or so. Well, that did not happen this week. You know, the reason they usually lose is I, I wait to put teams in often when I know they're going to have a test, because I've, I've mentioned this a bunch. Once you put a team in the rankings... You're stuck with them until they lose, basically. So I like to put a team in when I know they've got a big game that week, and then they'll deserve it, and I'm not stuck with them <laughs> if they're not. And so I saw that RB had Lions coming up, and we know Lions is a solid team with Tavari Johnson. And this this year, this time, this group of RB Bulldogs, they took care of business, and they beat Lions by 10, firmly in the rankings, looking good. 
Yeah, I, I watched that game when they beat Oak Park, and you know that was without without Joe Vamacatri, who is back now playing, and he he's a returning leading scorer from last year. But I mean, they got three guys, Mike, with, that are all capable of putting twenty up in a night. You know, with Makatri, uh JP Hanley, a really good shooter, and really one of the most improved players and and guys who's really developed into a really nice player is Joe Gilhuly. You know, six three, six four, wing, who just Kind of a jack of all trades, that little bounce scoring ability. So yeah, they've got, you know, Brady Vi at point guard. So they, they, they've got a lot of, uh, weapons offensively. Uh, and Mike Rangler has done a great job of, of, with, of mixing and matching those pieces, uh, to really become a, a really potent offensive team. But they've got an interesting challenge on their hands. Um, we have not talked, I don't think at all about Romeoville this season. And they were not one of the teams that started out in my book. I didn't think I was going to be paying a lot close. I knew they were young, very young. And they're in the book now. Um, they lost the second game of the year to Bradley Bourbonnet, but Bradley's had a nice season so far. That was a two-point loss. Then they knocked off Lamont, a team we spent an awful lot of time talking about already on the podcast. But then they lost to Manuka. <laughs> so it's like, what's going on here? Now, Manuka is having a nice season. I think they're a team to watch. They got a nice uh, point guard, Reggie. Um, oh, boy. I know his name. Um, anyway, we'll talk about Manuka later. But big win this weekend for Romeoville. 55-50 to win against the young Juliet West team we've talked a lot about. And the star of that game was sophomore Mayo Swansea. Um that's a sophomore leading them to a big conference win. Junior Kahari Loggins also played a good game. They got a transfer over the summer, uh, Troy Cicero, who was Joliet Central's best player. So, you know, that, that's three guys, three name guys right there. I think Cicero had like 12 points in that win against Joliet West. So this is a young Romeoville team that, as we, as we went through, they've had some, some downs, but they've also had some real ups and there's some ability there. So it's going to be a fun test for Romeoville and, I feel like whichever one of these teams can pull this one out is going to have a, a big lift going forward the rest of the season. And it's 11 a.m. games. So that's always weird to start the yeah. game too. So if they if RB overcomes the dreariness of an 11 a.m. game with no crowd, uh, they win by double digits. And then the nightcap on Saturday: Glenbard West versus Hillcrest. A game that I don't know. I, I was looking forward to, but. I didn't expect Hillcrest to have the great start they did. Um, they just lost so much from last year, but you know, all five, all, all five starters. Yeah. Like everybody, <laughs> Isaiah Green though, this young, you know, young guard I've been hearing a lot about. They got a ton of size and they have, they have held serve and done what they needed to do so far this season with win, won all their games. You know, they beat Bloom by seven. They beat Marion Catholic in a close one, two or three, I think it was. So this Hillcrest team all of a sudden is, Definitely looking like top tier possible in the area. And it's just going to be a different kind of looking test than some of the other big tests Glenbird West has had. Um, I, I would, I mean, I haven't seen Hillcrest yet, so I'm not going to say they're not going to have a ton of problems with Glenbird West's defense, but they're not going to, you know, lack confident ball handlers. <laughs> they're going to at least try to break their way through that thing. So that should be an awful lot of fun, especially. I talked a little bit of, I don't know, I guess it was Joe and I before we started recording. It's tough playing back-to-backs. We don't talk about that an awful lot on the podcast and in high school basketball, but having to play against Yorkville Christian on Friday night, the Hilltoppers are going to be running up and down that court <laughs> an awful lot on Friday, and they turn around and play a much different team in Hillcrest. Um, I think that impacted some teams at the Elite Classic on Saturday, the 
if you play a tough conference match on Friday game, those teams, I think if you look back over the Chicago Elite Classic history, have not done real well in the Chicago Elite Classic the next day. It's just a really – I just remember I've talked to an awful lot of kids in the press conference, and we're talking about what happened last night <laughs> after they lost at the Chicago Elite Classic during the day, and it's it, it's just a tough thing uh, for kids to pull off, especially after not having a real season last year, I think. Um, next up, Orr versus Tinley Park is a 330 – uh, matchup on Sunday. Uh, you know, this is kind of, I'm not going to say it's going to be one of the greatest games in the world, but I'm just fascinated to see this or team. You know, they've only played two games. I, I, it feels wrong that I have them in the rankings since they've only played two games really. And I don't know much about them. So I'm very curious to see what they have. And, you know, the amount of transfers that are going to be on the court in the Orotinley Park game. Uh, you would think this is going to be a matchup of complete titans <laughs> with uh, all the transfers going on. Tilly Park lost to Stag, fell out of the rankings. I did see some good things from them, though, uh, late at night in Washington, Illinois. I just think it might take a little while for, you know, Harrell and, and Martel Webb and the transfers to kind of gel with the guards. But this is it's a fascinating game because I have no idea what the heck's going to happen. And then the, the final one, uh, the 5 o'clock game at Mount Carmel. Curie versus Leo. The Leo Lions back on the radar after knocking off San Ignatius by 10 points on Friday night. It was the first game Leo has played in front of a crowd since COVID. Uh, it was, you know, as jam-packed as that place can get. And this Leo team is, is pretty confident. Uh, you know, talked to us, ran into uh, some of the, their dads at the Chicago League Classic. Uh, Dan McGrath always keeps me updated um, from the school with some big, nice uh, write-ups after their games. So there's a lot happening at Leo. They got everybody back from last year, and they're pretty confident, and they're going to need it because, I mean, Curie has, speaking of teams who've done everything they could this season, Curie has been really, really impressive. And that's going to, I mean, it could be a double-digit win for Curie, but I'm just excited to finally get a look at Leo and Curie as well. It should be a fun one. Yeah, Curie impressed me. They, you know, at the um, at Thanksgiving, and we talked about. I think I talked about it in the last podcast, but uh, or at some point. But it, 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 it's uh, you know that that is a really a test for a lot of these teams that you mentioned. Um, you know, like uh, Hillcrest. I mean, that, off this nice start and just all right, go at it, number one team. Here's your shot. Uh, I think it's a tough matchup for them, and then you know throughout. That whole um, Team Rose Classic is just a lot of – that's what the first two, three, four weeks of the season are. You just just tests leading up to the holiday tournaments where I think we get a really good feel and we can anticipate a little bit more of what's to happen at holiday tournament time because you do you get to play out these three, four weeks, and that's what this, will, this weekend will be all about. We got uh, – I've seen two holiday tournament brackets already, Hinsdale Central and Maine East. Are out there. I mm-hmm. I sort of I, have dates. Did you see the, the did you see the dates? Hinsdale Central. Yes. Yeah. I, I already. I was aware of that. So we're oh. going to see a lot of Hinsdale Central. <laughs> this yeah. Time. Yeah. Two days before Christmas. Yeah. And then a uh, long twenty second and twenty third. Yeah. I know Jacobs will be. Uh, you know they've done that before. You know they'll the marathon at Jacobs. Um, that that'll get they, us out there. I mean. Yeah. yeah. It should be interesting. Uh, Pontiac, I think they'll talk about it this weekend. And I thought it was going to have the Proviso West field, at least. Do you know the dates, the Pontiac? Are they playing it like the 
28, 30th, like normal or? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. that's what it is for sure. Um, what was the other one I was going to check? Oh, Dipper. Yeah. Dipper. I, I had trouble even getting the dates. So somebody <laughs> told me it was the 27th, the 28th, 29th. I don't know. Somebody responded on Twitter, but there's like no information floating around about the Dipper. It, it's really weird how that's been the last few years with, it's just like doesn't exist and then it pops up. Um, I don't know, but almost holiday tournament time. Um, been bad, everybody, about asking for questions. We'll get back to that next week. Um, I, I also kind of held off because we didn't have a lot of answers. <laughs> you yeah, know, true. I, I really thought I was like, "What's the point in asking for questions? We don't know." And I, I get weird when whenever anybody thinks they know much about this season because I've watched an awful lot of basketball games and I don't know much. <laughs> it's it's going to be an interesting, fun one. But thanks for listening, everybody. And we will be back next week after another massive uh, weekend of high school basketball shootouts. See ya.